Welcome to Sound and Vision. Conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists from around the world to join us for spring 2023 marathons in drawing and sculpture from January 17th to the 27th. Rigorous and immersive, marathons unfold over 10 days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time daily and present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Expansive first-hand discoveries propel artists to relate to drawing and sculpture as direct methodologies for understanding their experience in the world, the profound impact of which continues far beyond each marathon's conclusion. Visit nyss.org to apply today. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes the best acrylics and mediums, core watercolors, and Williamsburg oil paints in New Berlin, New York. An employee-owned company, Golden is dedicated to making the best paints that artists can use in their studios. I've been painting with Golden for over 23 years, and I swear by it. Check out their paints at your local art store or at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. They make amazing coffee and ship their beans to your doorstep so you can have incredible coffee at home. I'm an avid coffee drinker, and I love the coffee that I get from Fulcrum through their subscription service. There's always new coffee to try, and it's always top quality. Check out their coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com and add the code ALFREDSTUDIO to your order, and you'll get 20% off. That's a pretty great deal. Fulcrumcoffee.com Why I Make Art is out now. My book from the Sound and Vision podcast has features on 30 artists I've interviewed, tons of quotes from the artists I've had on the pod, and even some sketches from the Sound and Vision guest book. It's 25 bucks well spent in my opinion. You can get it wherever you get books or from the publisher's website, atelieredition.com. And if you get it or already have it, please leave a review and rating where you got it. It's been an amazing response from the book and I hope it gives you inspiration in the studio or in your daily life. Philip Ackerman was born in the Netherlands in 1957 as a painter of self-portraits. He studied at the Royal Academy of the Arts in The Hague and Atelier 63 in Haarlem. In 1981, he began to paint self-portraits. He now nears 5,000 self-portraits and is unique in its multiformity. Every self-portrait is unusual and the extraordinary variations appear endless. He currently lives and works in The Hague. Philip has had solo shows at Derek Eller Gallery, Bravin Lee, Gallery Bob Van Orso, AMG5 in Glasgow, Torch in Amsterdam, and others. He's had numerous group shows over the years, and his work has been covered in numerous publications. Philip and I talk about his dedication to self-portraits, funk music, outsider art, and much more. Here's our conversation. I'm in a room in my house. This room used to be my studio, and then it was a mm-hmm. gallery, and now it's some kind of storage for my paintings. Oh, nice. Wow, that's tidy. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like it could be painting storage or vinyl. <laughs> yes, it, is, uh, it, was, uh, it was inspired by vinyl yeah. storing. But um, what part of the world are you in? Uh, I'm in the Netherlands, yes. Um, how long have you been there? In The Hague? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't born here. I was born in the countryside in the Netherlands, in a small village. And I went um, 45 years ago to The Hague to visit mm-hmm. art school. Right. And then you've been there. Have you been there since? Uh, yes, I was away for two years. And then I came back because yeah. I, I fell in love with the city and with a girl from the city. <laughs> <laughs> that always that always happens. Yes. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start this off by asking you a question, and that is, <clears throat> I wanted you to take a guess at when I first encountered your work and where that would be. Yeah, somewhere in New York, or Washington. 
Uh, yeah, one of those two. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how long how long ago you saw it for the first time. Me neither. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> I looked at I looked at your bio and I was trying to like retrace my footsteps and figure it out. Was it with John um, Lee, Brevin Lee? No, it was. I went on. I went on a trip when I was, I believe, very early on in undergraduate school to Washington, D.C. Yeah. And I bumped into Max Protech Gallery. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. And that's the first time I saw, I think it was a two-person show. Maybe you and, was it David Reed or, or someone? Yes. I think it was a two-person show. Yes, it was me and David Reed. And it was not Max Protech. But it oh, was, really? It was Baumgartner. It was Baumgartner. Oh, damn yeah. it. <laughs> I was in a group but, uh, show with uh, Max Protech once in New York. Oh, but, so it was in New York. But that was right. a group show. Okay. So the it was Bumgarner. Yeah, it was Bumgarner. I mean, I'm, this is really dusting off the cobwebs for me because that era of my life, I don't know, it seems like a wash. But I did remember your work. Yeah. I loved it. Thank and, you. Uh, I was, uh, I've, I've been a fan since. And that was, uh, it's, so it's funny because my first gallery when I started showing in New York was Max Protech Gallery. Yes, very good late gallery. 90s. Yeah. So that was, uh, but you, so you were in, you said it was a group show with Max? Yes, I think two paintings of mine. It was nothing special, but it was just nice to be in this very nice gallery. Was it when he was at the 22nd Street space? Was uh, it in Chelsea? Yes, it was Chelsea. First, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was one of the first people to go to Chelsea. Yes, he was he, yeah. Yeah, he was a kind of like, he was a frontiersman because he had a space in Soho and um, that, those were the days when most of Chelsea was like mechanics. Yes. Like taxi cab garages. It wasn't really, yeah. you know, what it is now for sure. Yes. But did you travel? So did you travel to D.C. for the Bumgarner show and for the protest show? Not for the protest show because that was a group show. Yeah. But, but I went to uh, Washington. I always go to, to the United States when I have a one-person show. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, um. Well, let's go back to when you were a kid, you know? How did you start getting into... Were you always a drawer? Yeah. I think since I was 11 or 12, I yeah. had an ill, I, I had an illness and you, you stay in bed for six weeks. Oh, wow. And then I started drawing fantasy birds. Nice. And since then, I, I couldn't <laughs> stop drawing. <laughs> yeah. Were your parents creative? Did yes. they do creative things yes. for a living? Yes, they were creative. My father wanted to be a painter or a potter but um, in those days it was very hard to make money even more difficult yeah. than nowadays right so when he got married he um, he was looking for a for a proper job and he became a school teacher but still painting yeah. and, and making pottery in his spare time well that's good was he self-taught with that stuff or did he take classes yes i mean he, pottery is a little harder because you usually need facilities right yes but he was like kind of lucky because when he grew up in the neighborhood there was a very famous potter working an old man who, oh, nice. who knew who knew all the secrets about the glazings and the, and that yeah. was a, was really very good uh, what do you say that teacher yeah that's advantageous because ceramics is such a specific you know you yes. really need that inside knowledge anyone can pick up a pencil and just start drawing that's know? true little harder with clay uh, but i had that same thing growing up i grew up in pittsburgh and there was a guy two blocks away and you know it wasn't like an artsy place really but um there was a guy like a couple blocks down the street from my little house in pittsburgh and he had a gallery on the first floor and his studio was in the top floor and i would go apprentice or just basically clean his studio and watch him paint yeah and he was beautiful like he painted like sergeant you know it was like just like lyrical and yeah so it was really cool to see someone do it for yeah, real you that's know? true but uh it sounds like your your creativity was born out of being stuck <laughs> like your imagination had to let you out because yes you in bed yes and you need something to do right now in school were you drawn to say an art class or were you how did you how did you do in school? Were you a, a studious kid? No, I didn't really like it. 
but I also didn't hate it. I went to school. I tried my best. But every year, you know, I don't know how you say that in English. I just had in my my <clears throat> my exams were just good enough to go on to the yeah. next class. Right, right. Because yeah, because at home I was always drawing. So yeah. I, I I had a, a mathematics book in case my parents would enter my room, but underneath <laughs> was a drawing paper. Right, right. The old, the old. Uh, yeah, I'm studying. And then you <laughs> yes. pick it up and there's drawings underneath. Yeah, it's like my kid today, like, you know, when you walk into the room, the computer, like, all of a sudden there's a quick click and it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, there's my homework on the computer. It's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the same. You know, yeah, same thing. <laughs> the fun stuff, like, you always want to, you know, you don't want to bother with the math. You want to get to the fun stuff. Yes, of course. And what about, uh, were, you, were you a music fan as a kid? Mm, I think so. Yes, yes. Uh our parents uh, let us play instruments. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. I, I, I played uh, I played piano for six years, and then nice. cello for six years. Oh, wow! Yeah, that was nice. On the, the classical side of things. Did you like piano? No, but I, <laughs> but, but I did like the, the cello. That that yeah, I, I, really, I, I really liked it, and I bought gramophone records and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I had. You know, growing up, my first thing was piano lessons, and I struggled. But then again, the guy that taught me piano reminded me of, uh, you know, the guy from Psycho, yeah. Norman Bates? <laughs> he had that vibe. Yeah, well, I think we had the same teacher. Was he, <laughs> was al it all piano? Was he always eating peanut, uh, sandwiches with peanut butter during the lessons? Oh, probably. I didn't even know that. I was just so freaked out by the whole deal. I just knew that he had his mother lived upstairs somewhere in the house, and he would always have to run off for a little bit and check on mother, which was strange. Yeah, that's Hitchcock. Yeah, it, it was not. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't very cool, you know? And yeah. then I started taking saxophone lessons, and that was cool because the guy who taught me was a jazz guy. So that, you know, inherently way more cooler than Norman Bates. Yes. <laughs> but I can never fully you know i played music my whole life play guitar bass clarinet sax i could never really get the piano well like i i don't know there's something about it, it didn't connect with me it still bugs me to this day that i've never really been able to to do it i could play drums with both hands but the piano and guitar piano is harder for me yeah yeah but did you were you okay at it no no i was i, was, I didn't like it and it was bad oh good we're I, on the same team then yeah <laughs> I've, you know, it's funny because I, I was a jazz DJ in college. I love jazz, and uh, I, I was always mystified by those guys who played the Hammond B three organ, because not only were they playing two melodies, but with their feet, they're playing a bass line. Oh yes! I'm like, how can they do that? <laughs> like, how do you multitask in three levels? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it was fascinating to me, but I could never really get it. But the cello, um, did you enjoy it? Yes, very much. I like. I really like that. I didn't study enough, though, and I knew I was never going to be very good at it. You, yeah, you it's rigorous, right? Yeah. You just feel it, and yeah. so I, I became more and more lazy. Yeah, and and then I stopped. And it's not like guitar where you can be average, an average guitar player, and still be a great guitar player. You're right. <laughs> no, that's true. Especially, you know what when, I mean? yeah, especially when you make your own music. Right. Yeah. If you if you have to play on your guitar, for instance, Vivaldi or something, then it's the same with the other classical instruments. That's true. That's but if true. you make your own music, anything goes. Yeah, I don't know that. As long as you're having Vivaldi fun on guitar, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like the Ramones. We'll just stick with that side of the <laughs> the equation. But yeah, no, that's I ended up being in a band with a woman who played cello in the band, which oh. was not classical at all it was more like post-rock but um i love the instrument it's yeah. it's so lyrical you know it's great and what kind of so around the house were your parents listening to classical music was that the kind of music you were hearing or was it pretty much everything no no it was classical yes and they were yeah. also a bit like classical is, is good and the rest is no good right like, right it's not valid yeah it's not yeah and i and rock I, and roll no and i didn't like that I, I like my parents a lot, but I think that was not such a nice, what is it, characteristic, uh, what do you say? Yeah. That? It was kind of elite, elitist when it comes to music? Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't have that. I mean, my my dad was in the army and he listened to Motown. You know, like all the guys listened to Motown. Yeah, so yeah, I grew that's up nice. listening to like you know Marvin Gaye and the 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 tops that spinners like all that yeah. the Delphonics, which is cool. At the time, you're you you don't even know the difference, but when you get older, you're like, yeah, that's kind of good music to 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 grow up with in your soul. You know? Yeah, but but I had the luck when I went to art school. I left my parents' house. And I, there was so much music then to, to discover. Yeah. It, it, it was an, it was really incredible, and I enjoyed that a lot. Just buying all these records of soul music, funk music. That was really yeah. Fun. What do, what was the time like? When what years were you in art school? Uh, from seventy six until eighty one. Oh wow! So funk into disco, basically. Yes, for sure. There's some good stuff in there too. Oh, very good! Really incredible. Did you have like a a couple record? Because vinyl, I mean, you know, at risk of sounding like an older person, you know, vinyl to me is just like amazing. You know, I can't collect anything. I don't have the space, but I, it's just it's so tactile and visual. It's like a big art piece. You know, you see. Yeah. Like, art, like now, you don't really get it. But um, did you have a couple records that were visually? like burned into your mind of just like you love the look of it yeah like like i have i'm i'm an incredible fan of bootsy collins oh and, yeah and well, i think i yeah. think all all funkadelics and bootsy's albums the covers are so incredibly nice yes i agree so yeah that aesthetic that futuristic funk stuff like the herbie hancock stuff from that period of like thrust and those records and then there was uh oh yeah there's so much good stuff like the Ohio players and slide of families, all that stuff. I'm a big really fan of, cool. And yeah. Miles, Miles Davis had some great record covers, you know, yeah, super artistic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Parliament was amazing. Were you, I, I don't, it's a, a different genre, I guess, but did you ever get into Sun Ra? Yes, I have a lot of Sun Ra. I play it every day. Nice. He's, he's incredible. And, an amazing pianist, tra classically trained, like, you know, yeah, he, he knew how to play it, but then he knew how to take it to a different place. <laughs> yes, and especially when he's also the piano is fantastic, but also when he's doing the this Moog organ, oh, yeah. was it's so, so cool? Yeah, when he does solos for fifteen minutes, yeah, it's really it's the best. Yeah, that's it's great stuff, and you know it's it's funny. Uh, being a jazz DJ in college, I was playing more like blue note stuff, you know, like I, at that point I was really into Coltrane and Miles and all that. Yeah. Yard Blakey. And I wasn't quite so into, you know, the Sun Ra stuff yet or mm. the weather report or any of that sort of like proggy, like out there stuff. And uh, there was a guy who would call into the station and he would just demand that I play Sun Ra or, <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I don't know who this guy is. I'm not going to play this stuff. And I never really connected with it. And then one time I was in a band in graduate school. We went on tour and we we were playing a gig in um, in Louisville, Kentucky. And we got food poisoning. We didn't realize it at the time, but we ate right next door to the club. We all obviously got food poisoning because we all got sick and we had the same thing. And uh, I remember laying in the back of the club after we trudged through a set, which was brutal, laying down on the floor. The ceiling was like spinning and then Rocket Number Nine came on from Sun Ra. <laughs> it was the most visceral, beautiful, out there experience of like a song and feeling just out of your own body, you know. And yeah. I, from that moment on, I really it's I connected with Sun Ra. It's an amazing thing. You were in a professional music band. Well, I don't know, professional. <laughs> but you were touring. Yeah, yeah, no, we yeah. I, we released a couple records. Yeah, oh, good. Yeah, no, I, yeah, we. And that was the band with the, the you know the cello. It was cello, guitar, yes, and drums yes. for the first record, and then our second record was um, guitar, cello, and drums. And then we added a trumpet, trombone, and upright bass. Um, but yeah, we were you know an indie band, but we recorded our second record at Steve Albini's studio in Chicago, which was wonderful. I mean, it was you know an amazing experience, and we got to tour the country a, a few times, which was cool. Yeah. But I don't know how professional. <laughs> but it's fun. That's yeah, sure. I think it's a special, uh, what do you say, uh, experience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, touring the country and seeing all those towns was, yeah. uh, you know, 
your perception of of things change when you see that much of the world i i'm to this day i think travel is so important you know visually too like not only for your character and understanding different people but also just like visually it's so different everywhere you know i mean were you able to travel from a young age at all or were you i mean in europe it's you know it's easier to travel around it's yeah it's true it's connected i think i only started traveling when i met my wife oh be- yeah because she's traveling a lot <laughs> so, right and 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 of course when i started having shows abroad exhibitions right which is really cool to, to, to i mean that's how i first started traveling because i grew up like you know outside of the touring which is you know the u.s is the u.s but traveling outside the u.s for shows was, it's a great experience because not only do you go get to see a new place but you also your work kind of connects or is in discussion with that place which is a cool feeling too because you know every show you do outside of your home base so to speak feels different you know yes. it feels like you're having a different dialogue which is a real gift you know i never did get to <coughs> tour or play music in other countries which i think would be amazing i have a lot of friends who are musicians who yeah. tour the world and that must be incredible too you know to have that dialogue Yes, I think and as a musician, you have more direct dialogue than as yes. a painter. because totally. Yeah, because you actually, you, you see your audience. You can look yeah. them in the eye. And you can hear yeah, them and scream. Your music, is, your music is entering their body. Yes, it's really. It's pretty primal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like it is. vibrating their innards. It is. <laughs> I mean, making art is beautiful and it's a wonderful kind of like discussion but it's filtered through the history of art and all this imagery it's a very kind of indirect conversation that's triangulated through all the stuff you know music just gets you you know at this moment i'm having an exhibition together with a musician nice and he is a uh free jazz whoa electronic but also with real instruments and uh, we have um let's say some years ago he, he made a piece of music he called it philip and it was uh-huh. about my work it's a very hectic piece of music it was really very nice and then yeah. they, uh, it, and the record was rela- released with brain feeder oh uh, yeah i know brain feeder and then uh, brain feeder said we're gonna make this philip song the first single and and then we need a we need a video clip and do you have an idea for a video clip and the musician james who is his name he mm-hmm. says, yes, I have an idea. And then he asked me, how many paintings do you have, Philip? I, I said, at the moment, I have 4,000. And then we have a video clip of four minutes and 13 seconds. And within the, this time frame, you can see all my 4,000 paintings. Wow. They, they are, really cool. Yes, like, like, like 30 each second. You can't even right. see them, but they yeah. are there. And then, then uh, someone offered us an exhibition in the art space. Mm-hmm. To, about our cooperation and then James who said why don't we make a, a dark room with like 350 of your paintings from ceiling to floor from wall left to right and then we have special state-of-the-art beamers that can um, put light on every painting individually but also in the groups and then he, he made a program um with my paintings are being i'm sorry my english is not so good my um uh, there will be light on my paintings on the rhythm of the music that's so and cool. and it's hectic. I can picture it. yes yeah, it's, yeah. it's really incredible and there you have that's really uh, cool. visual experience and the audio sensation at the same time yeah so yeah it's not, that's it is that's not incredible. suited for children and elderly people they right. really they really have to leave the room because they can't handle it it's too much yeah it's too much yeah no it sounds really really cool it's really and cool. are all the paintings the same dimensions yes yes so, so it's, it's just a big it's, old grid it's and the lights grid. just light up it's almost like pixels like lighting up and all yes 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 wow that's really cool isn't that great when you i've been lucky enough over the years to collaborate with musicians on projects it's so cool when you can your work is enters that realm because it's yes. so different than just your standard way of showing, you know. It is. It's it's really nice. Yeah, I I started in the early two thousands doing animations along with my paintings, and that enabled me to connect with musicians and collaborate in yeah. in a way that I just never really 
could do with just painting. So it's it's such a cool thing to to have the work exist outside of its normal habitat like that, you know. Sure, sure. So this show just happened, or it was just it's 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 on for two months, uh, oh, wow, and, and nice. now we're and now we're in the middle. So it's until That's the great. end of January. I will send you a, a link with a, what do you say, a, uh, someone who recorded it or what do you say? Oh, cool! F- yeah, filmed, yeah. filmed like, it, like a video clip of it. That's great. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. So, um, have you ever done anything else like that? Mm, no, I haven't. No, no, no. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really uh, a great idea. So, um, well, when did I mean you grew up playing some music and you had creativity, you know, in that like it was a an environment. It sounds conducive to creativity. When did you draw your first self portrait? Yeah, that's what was when I was like thirteen, fourteen, and actually yeah. I did a lot of self portraits, like yeah. like ten ten every, every year, and then I went to art school. And then I was into contemporary art, you know, the galleries. I liked it. I visited all the galleries in Amsterdam because in The Hague, there there was only one gallery, but in Amsterdam, there were like 10. So each month we went to Amsterdam and see the galleries in the Stedelijk Museum with conceptual art, fundamental painting, you know, all that stuff. And I liked it a lot. Yeah. So then um, at a certain day, I left the academy to go to an art school, which was a specialized in contemporary art mm-hmm. and I liked it a lot and uh, but after two years I wasn't on this special art school I suddenly I started to to hate contemporary art world not mm-hmm. not the paintings themselves but I thought it was too superficial somehow people yeah. were just there to how do you say that they were yeah like just like show, sell stuff and socialize. Show, yeah, and so and, and glossy magazines and yeah. bright, bright white galleries. And I, I just thought it was too superficial. I didn't like it. And I thought, what am I going to do? And then I put on a record of James Brown and he sings When you when you don't know what to do, you go back to the crossroads and you will find yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I went back to the crossroads and I thought, what was I doing when I was still pure? And an innocent boy, you know, like, like yeah, 13, yeah. 13, 14 years old. I knew nothing. And I was doing a lot of self-portraits. I thought, I'm going to do some self-portraits again. And my teachers hated it on this contemporary <laughs> art. They, they really said, <laughs> Philip, you are reactionary, which, which, is a, which is a word from politics. Right. But, um, and they didn't want to talk to me anymore. And then I knew... I was doing the right thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, feeling like, oh, if they're that against it, it must yeah. be good. <laughs> yes, yeah, so something like that. I felt it was good. So I kept on painting self-portraits, and I was ne- uh, I was never getting bored with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's kind of punk rock to be, <laughs> you know, to do that at that moment, I think. You, you know, know my, my, my wife, I didn't know her then, but uh, when I got to know her, she was punk. She had yeah. green. She had green hair. Nice. She, she had seen the Ramones in CBGBs in '77. She was really early. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> I, I was punk in my art, but I was disco in my music oh, choice. Yeah. <laughs> and then I met right, a, right. Punk, a punk yeah. girlfriend. <laughs> That's great. The only way you could have been more punk than doing the self-portraits is if you only painted like still lives of apples. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then I would probably also hate myself. <laughs> That's true. That would have gone too far. Yes. <laughs> Your teachers would have kicked you out. It would have been, yeah, it would have been one step too many. Um, so, and you, the, the really interesting thing is just how, I mean, clearly, well, maybe not clearly, it seems as though you're a, a, a huge sort of, um, you know, studier of just like the history of art and the history of portraiture and, you know, different ways of painting. And um, I mean, was that always kind of part of your eye and what you were interested in? I mean, you mentioned you go to museums and stuff, but, you know, the the different sort of like ways of working and that that you've 
been, you know, unafraid to take on is, is really impressive. And it's, it's kind of a cool, um, you know, project to sort of like navigate all those waters with this one consistent element, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. But, um, I have always uh, been, uh, my work, my, my drawings as a boy. And then when I grew up at art school and just right now, there's always been an enormous variation in styles. Yeah. I, I just like to play with that. Obviously, right. I mean, it's my character. I can't help it. And I wasn't aware of it until someday your people, people tell you, you know, like teachers tell you, you should stick to one style. Right. And I thought, what does he mean? <laughs> I, 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 I just didn't know what they meant. And then, of course, now I, I know what, what, what they meant. But it's, it's, that's just me. I, I like to play with styles. I'm, I'm not eclectic. I'm not doing it on purpose. Right. I, I, always when I do something, the next day I want to do something else. And now I have this one subject, the self-portrait. And I also have one technique, the technique of the old masters. And mm -hmm. within these two frames, anything is possible. And that's so so nice. Yeah, no, it's. I think it would be... It's, it's a totally different sort of phenomenon as a viewer of the work if you were pushing these different ways of painting in, in, in dialogue with different historical approaches to image making and then each image was completely different. You know what I mean? But the, yeah. having that consistency of looking at oneself, I think is, you know, kind of anchors all that variety of the ways that you look at something. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of my favorite artists of all time in, I, a lot of people are just like, what are you talking about? Is uh, Ankawara. I just love his work. I think it's amazing. It's just such a monastic meditation on life and a consistency, but ev everything's different. It's the same approach in a way, but it's completely different every single day. And, uh, you know, I think there's something really kind of beautiful about that. You know what I mean? That kind of meditation on a subject. Yes, and, is, and, and still his, his work is handmade. Yeah. So the art, the, when you see his work superficially, you will think it's all the same. But right. then, but then the differences are very, very tiny, very small, which which makes it exciting also. D totally, and like the the subtle hues. Like I'm lucky yeah. enough to live near Dia Beacon, where there's a whole room of them, and you know the 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 changes between are so subtle. To your point and actually the physical changes between numbers and letters that you end up finding in those are so subtle yes but then the differences in those days might be you know cavernous it could be one day is like this happens total peace quiet nothing next day is like pearl harbor or something you know it just could be so monumentally different but the the image of it is subtly you know very um minute it's it's a kind of like a push pull that really creates a certain tension and intrigue. I think that's you know that a lot of times in a lot of work that gets you know blown out of the water by like all the physical stuff that's going on in the paintings and all the changes of the subject matter and all that stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's really interesting to sort of limit it to that. Yes, you know, he's like, he's very very zen. Yes. I don't know if he was Zen as a person, but but I his work was, is... I believe so. I think he was meditative. I don't know if it was yeah. in Buddhism, if, if that was specific to... You know, I should know that. I can't remember. But, um, I mean, there is something meditative. I mean, meditation, you, you can wrap it any way you want, but meditation is meditation. You know what I mean? It's, it's, there's, it's all kind of like this... There's a similarity to all of it, you know, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's it it takes a certain um, patience and pace and dedication, you know, and a long term view at something, which I think is really, especially these days, when everyone's attention span is like that of a flea, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like this constant like next next content content change change, that it it becomes even more beautiful and and kind of like awe-inspiring when someone has a slow look at something you know it's true yeah i mean are you in your work i guess so you know you started 
to go back to the idea was like let me go back to a time when my work wasn't tainted by the idea of the art world or the idea of you know this hierarchical structure and presentation and all that did it stick right away did you just say oh okay this is this is what I want to do like I want to do this for a while or did was it just a sort of repetition that you know it was it was organic when I started painting self-portraits I thought it would be only for two or three months yeah but before I knew it I had done it for two years without having the having second thoughts or something so then I decided to go on for the rest of my life. Yeah, but until it's pretty amazing. Yeah, but until today, it's just very easy. I just let it all flow, and yeah. and I I don't think about it. It just happens. Right. Yeah. No. It's there's something to be said for like if you can have a consistency and some element of exploration, then in a way you can explore even deeper, or like there's a freedom to. The structure being like I tell students a lot of times, like if you're finding yourself flopping around and just you, you know, you're trying this and that, and you, you know, sometimes it's good to just say like take ten stretchers or, or canvases that are the same size, like you know, nine by twelve inches or something like that, and just like have a consistency to the structure of it, because then you can start to play around and see little differences, but you're not trying to reinvent the wheel every single time you start you know what i mean it, yeah that's true it does something you know like like try to write a song with you know guitar bass and drums instead of like when you go on the computer you have every single instrument in the world on there you could yeah <laughs> you know yeah. you could just get lost in all that stuff yeah and uh that constraint or limiting yourself can really let you not only um direct more directly find what you're exploring but also to to kind of like build on it over time you know yeah it's yeah but it takes a certain uh, attention span and commitment, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you, Do you happen to meditate? Are you at all into that? Uh, not 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 meditation, but I do yoga. That's good to relax. Yeah. Well, I think I personally. I mean, I've. I'm not a meditator. You know, I don't really do it much. Once in a while. But I've done it in Japan in like a Buddhist temple. I've done Zen meditation. Really. It's like legit. And if you move, you'll get that crack on the back of that stick, you know, which fortunately I never got. But and I've done that and I've found that to be really kind of like there's something amazing about it, challenging and amazing. But um, I do think that any kind of like routine is kind of like meditation in a way. Like I love going to exercise at the gym because I feel like when I'm there, I just, yeah. I don't know, I, a certain side of my mind turns off and I can just like de-stress or something, you know, when I'm painting. I can hit a flow state, but I'm still, it's all like there's decision. Like it feels more weighty. You know what I mean? Yes. Than if I'm running, if I'm running, it's just like, you know, there's no decision. I'm just doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it, when, in when you're in the zone on the work, I would imagine you're probably, um, you know, sort of exploring certain themes or ways of working over the course of several images or are you kind of like, you know, switching in, in between each image? Yes, sometimes I want to explore something a little bit deeper and then I make like four or five paintings in the same style. Mm -hmm. But then after five paintings, I think, shit, and I do the opposite, you know? Right, And Gotta I change it up. Yeah, I can't help myself. My, my dream is to become a routinous painter. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to, I mean, I'm trying to think as little as possible when I'm painting. I mean, I'm thinking about technique, but about what I'm going to paint, I, I think it's bad to think about it. In, be, before you paint, you shouldn't think. You should just let it happen, and you right. can think about it afterwards yeah so um then i, I just I, I just when, when i don't like this after four or five paintings i want to do something else i do something else and 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 I, that makes me makes me more happy than continue right against yeah. my own feeling with right. this with this series of paintings yeah it's kind of like flowing with the water as opposed to just like swimming upstream you know yes I mean, some people need that. They need that resistance, you know. They everybody, everybody's different. 
Yeah, everyone but, is different. Yeah, but this sure. this is my this is my way of painting, and yeah, I'm yeah. and I'm also people think I'm only painting self portraits. They think and they say that like I'm looking for myself. You know, I'm searching for my true self in my work, but but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I think it's useless to think about yourself. You you will never. It's such a deep secret. You will never get there. The best thing is to give yourself. So everything that pops up in my mind, I just do it. Yeah. Think, thinking, thinking. You you will always um, make mistakes with thinking because thinking is imperfect, whereas your instinct is perfect. Yeah, it's it doesn't lie. It's kind of Absolutely. like you know, it's just that impulse, you know. Yes, like like animals have instincts and they they never uh, make mistakes. Right. It's it's always um, good. Did your now, once you brought that working with the self-portraiture back into the school environment, were the teachers, did they push back against that? Were they challenge? Were you, did you feel a lot of challenge to that? Uh, when I started painting self-portraits? Like when you were doing it in school, because you kind of wanted to go back to, you know, yeah. doing something pre, I mean... In art school, you, you mean? Yeah, in art yeah, school. Yeah, did yeah. you have a lot of pushback on like, well, and how did you get through that? Because I'm sure it's not easy if everyone's like, why are you just painting self-portraits this isn't what they, we're doing now they they refused <laughs> they refused to talk to me anymore oh, they, did, they, just they, did, they just didn't talk except for one the most conceptual artist who was teaching there and also one of the most conceptual artists in the world and his mm-hmm. name is stanley brown mm-hmm. and he was one of my favorites and he was the only one who kept on visiting my studio yeah and, and talking he, he to knew me. he knew you were up up to something I think so. I don't know. We yeah. never talked about art. We talked about football, about radio programs, about music. Never, never about painting. So it was not a was not a big problem for him that I was starting to make self portraits. Right. Yeah. It was never That's an so issue. Funny. Did you Did you play f- football as a kid? Uh, yes, I played every day with my friends in the street. I I yeah. I, I wasn't uh, with a football. Uh, what do you say, club or something? Yeah, what do you yeah. say yeah, like in a club. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I still play today. I mean, it's such a huge part, and I, th- I feel like uh, there's such a creativity to great players, and there's such a creativity to that game that I can't help but draw parallels to in, in being creative. You know what I mean? I think there's something really great about it, and it's it's nice. I mean, being American, it's kind of like you know, growing up playing soccer here. It's it's kind of like a third or fourth tier oh, yes. sport, you know, it's not like it is everywhere else in the world. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but, but seeing it these days with like TV, now you, everyone can watch this stuff and it's, it's gotten way, way more popular here, which is kind of cool to see, you know, and I actually, uh, me and my friend run a nonprofit youth soccer club here in Brooklyn and, uh, it's, you know, we give kids scholarships and, and they they travel, it's a travel team and it's great. It's been a great, you know, experience. It's still football, such a huge part of my life. Nice. Yeah, and the Dutch had to beat the Americans in the World Cup, which is, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up watching it, like learning Cruyff, like methods of, and Coivers, and like you know, we learned Dutch style soccer growing yeah. up, which is really, you know, it was a big part of uh, the the formation of my of my football. Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so when you're, are are you pretty much like a daily worker? Do you have like a routine in the studio? And when you're working, do you do you do music or do you do silence or radio? Or what what's what's yes. on in the studio? Yeah. Um. There were two questions, wasn't it? Yeah. The One first. is, is it a daily routine? Sort <laughs> oh of yes, thing? yes. Like, Before we had a family, children. Mm-hmm. I was working night and day and in yeah. the weekend and, uh, and during the holidays, I couldn't stop. Yeah. And then when you have a family with children, I thought it's, it's better to, to stick to society rules, like right. from nine to five and not in the yeah. weekend. And I yeah, think, yeah. and I think that was very clever of me. One of yeah, the, one it's of the best things I ever de- really decided. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think having a kid enables you to 
it, it contextualizes your life in a way because you realize, you know, your artwork is in the center of the world anymore. And then also it's probably like an unconscious way of just not burning out, you know, because I did the same thing. I think yeah. when I moved to New York, I was lucky enough to start showing at ProTouch, you know, and living off my work within like a year of being here. And uh, I would just work all day and night. And like that was great for, you know, eight, nine years, but like if I would have kept that going for 20 years, I might have just completely burned out. You know? You're right. You need another, and some, have, some context to your life. You and know? Ha having a family doesn't burn you out? It does, <laughs> totally, but not <laughs> but, just... But different, that. but different. But now when I get to the studio, it's like, ah, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it feels different. You know, it feels yeah. almost like an escape to where your your mind can just get lost in a way that you know, in your daily life, you know, you gotta, you get, when you have kids and you have family, you gotta get stuff done, you know, you gotta be on the clock, you gotta be responsible, which yeah. is a good, good qualities to have as a human. But and children are fun. <laughs> they are, and you do see things differently. They very, do very much open your eyes up. I mean, they hear just being like living in New York City, you know, I had when I was pre family, like, I used to just go to my studio. That was it. Like, yeah. I didn't really go. And you go to all the city. openings? I wasn't even... No. I, honestly, I wasn't a big social guy. I was like a hermit. I just made my yeah. work all the time. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky early on to start showing when I was young, so I didn't have to go out there and like, quote unquote, like work it to show the work. So I just, I just loved being in the studio. And then when, you know, having a son and like going around, like, you know, you have to drop him to school and talk to other humans. <laughs> good quality yeah <laughs> it's yeah, good quality yeah. to have is like actually be able to function in society instead of like you know a primate who just goes into his art cave all day and just works <laughs> just yeah. talks to himself and makes pictures so yeah it's it's i feel like it's it creates it to your point it's not easy it's a lot of work but but there is a balance there you know it's not all one way of being which i yeah. think can be uh it can make your mind a little more holistic about everything absolutely right which is which is ironic because most artists want to just get to a place to where they can turn off the rest of the world and just like lose themselves in their their life and their work and that's yeah. all they have to worry about but it kind of makes you a little bit of a sociopath if you go too far down that road it's <laughs> <That's> true <laughs> so when you deal with galleries or collectors or anyone else you know you just like don't know what to do don't know what to say so it's good to have that balance i think in life but you are, are you, uh, yeah, I guess you have that balance now, you know, you have the, the, the work life balance, whether you like it or not. Yes, no, no, for sure. For sure. And, and I like it a lot. It's, it hasn't, what do you say? I, I'm not making less paintings. Yeah. You, you, you'll have to find a structure to make the same amount or you don't have to find, you, you will find a, some structure in your, uh, daily routine. Right. That you can keep on painting. Yeah. Well, there, there would be an assumption that in the case of your work, of where you're doing, you know, you've kind of created a sort of, I don't want to say a formula, but, you know, you have like, you know, a set, like you're going to work with a self-portrait, you're going to work with a specific size. There's a, a sort of a notion that that makes it a little easier in the sense that there's some consistency there. You know what I mean? But I would gather that you would say, well, yeah, that might make a couple choices simpler, but then the rest of it is even more complicated in a way, you know? Yeah, but I um, there's one thing which also helped me. <clears throat> when we had children, I was a houseman. Mm -hmm. And when, when you're painting in, in the style of Vincent van Gogh, you're painting in a, what do you say, in, in, in a trance. Yes. But then when the child cries, you have to go to the child. Yeah. And you you out you lost your trance. So right. then I was also because I had artistic problems, I couldn't paint what was in my mind. I couldn't realize my ideas before I started painting. Right. So I thought there should be a technique that allows me to paint what I want to paint. Yeah. And then I found the method of the old masters where mm -hmm. you first make a drawing. And then you make a Grisea drawing and also yeah. Grisea painting. And then you mm -hmm. go with transparent colors on top of the Grisea. Glazing, yeah. Glazing. And then uh, if you if you control this technique, 
you can stop any moment and you're not in this right. trance you're just executing a program and then right. when it, and then when a child needs you it's no problem you go smiling yeah. smiling to the child and ha help the child go for a little walk <laughs> put it to bed again and continue your work not angry you broke up my rhythm no no uh, it's no, gonna take me forever not, to get back into that not baby. at all not at all <laughs> right no that's that's really smart it's it's funny because um they they say I feel like kids these days when they get older and have a family or when they have in that situation they'll be better at it because they are more used to being interrupted with like phones and you know because they say that they say that when you're deep in uh, there was like some study uh, you know I'm paraphrasing but basically like when you're working on a painting and you're in that flow state of like in yeah. the zone that if you get interrupted it takes around 20 minutes supposedly for you to fully get back in that zone you know uh, yes. and yes, but imagine nowadays meant, yeah. with nowadays with the phone yeah with people with notifications and stuff there i would doubt you get more than five minutes before something beeps or bings or pokes yeah. at you or vibrates you know what i mean so i think i wonder if younger people are better trained at being able to you know, get back into the swing of things, or maybe they just don't truly hit that flow state that, you know, like I used to say in school, hour three or four was when I'd really start like moving, like when it would really start going well in the studio. Cause I just get in that zone and I was working on big paintings and it takes a lot of effort, you know, like hour three and four is when I really well, uninterrupted is when it was really starting to like, like it was like a steam engine, you know, just picking up speed. Yeah. And uh, if you're constantly being interrupted, it's it's really difficult to get back into that, you know, yeah. that rhythm. But I think we just have to figure out a way, you know. We're evolving as a species, I guess. We're having to learn to multitask, even if we're not meant to. <laughs> yeah, and maybe uh, the art of the future will be different because of that. That's true. I mean, AI will just do it all for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah but that will, i think it will be boring yeah totally yeah there's something you know that that tactile thing is just so yeah uh, but not just yeah. tactile like like a1 needs a plug yeah to do to do true. something and we don't yeah. we have well, a, i do need we coffee. have an we have an inner <laughs> we have an inner drive yeah that's true yes which which a machine doesn't that's true unless we teach that machine to have it no, that's, that's impossible. <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, the machine, which is in fact a stone that can calculate, that can calculate, mm -hmm. it's just a stone that can calculate. Maybe better yeah. than us, of course, better than us. But well, who cares? Yeah, right. A calculator does math better than us, but it's not. Yeah. You know, does it? Can it fall in love? <laughs> no. And really, isn't not. everything we do based on like that kind of stuff? Like, you know, relationships, desire, needs, want, you know, like it's all based on non-concrete stuff, I feel like. That's why art is so great. It's like, it is that. It's subjective. It's non-concrete. There's no right or wrong, which is, I would imagine, very hard to algorithm. Yes. No, I, I agree with you. So... The part two of that question is music in the studio? Yes, I've always, it's always music. Yeah. And is it still, are you still riding the funk train? Uh, yes, but uh, also classical, came back again. Yeah. And uh, ev everything, reggae, it is beautiful. funk. Nice. Electro. Yeah. Just as long as it's music. And I That's like great. it. It's, it's yeah. nice. But you know, sometimes... I'm painting and I'm thinking I'm going to put a record on and I'm walking to the uh, gramophone record and there's already a record on it's playing but it yeah. didn't even I didn't hear it <laughs> <laughs> You go like, oh, yeah I already took care of that <laughs> Yeah strange isn't it I, I Yeah you get lost a few times right? a week yeah you get lost Yeah so but do you do just solely vinyl or do you also use the streaming stuff No streaming is uh, far-fetched for me but i do have cds <laughs> well the cds are still analog yeah C CDs and huge collection yeah. yeah 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 i just i've i've surrendered to streaming I mean, yeah why not yeah i mean you you can 
I the one thing about music that and art I I'm like a fan of every like you know I just grew up loving all kinds of music and then you know I I find it it's like a real gift you know whether it's like you know Nigerian high life or sitar music or you know Sufi whatever like far eastern music like there's so much amazing stuff out there it's heaven it's heaven it is and I would be the kind of person that if I really collected vinyl it would either break me or I would just spend all my time doing that so (laughs) the one nice thing about streaming is you can kind of just put down a playlist for like you know Chicago ghetto house music and then it's right there and then I want to hear you know you know bluegrass like flat and scrug style bluegrass or something there's a playlist it's pretty amazing as far as the diversity that you can encounter yeah, it's it's not daunting. Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, and so you're in in the studio. You're totally analog. Like you sketch things out, and then you, I well, you're doing that old master method of you know doing the grisaille and then glazing yeah, and stuff. But yeah. are you are you doing like constant like drawings and sketches for ideas of like the ways that you want to make these paintings or how they're gonna look, or is it purely improv? Yes. No. My paintings. The consist only of a face mm-hmm. so there's no need for sketching if you want to make a very complicated painting like uh, the battle of waterloo you need mm-hmm. to make sketches where to put the horses where the soldiers where napoleon you have to make sketches but with just a face you don't need a sketch but i do make a drawing of this for this uh, painting that i'm going to make i make yeah. an, ex- an exact drawing and the drawing is transferred from the paper to the wooden panel, and then I start painting on this wooden panel. So when I'm painting, I do not have to think about the drawing yeah. any longer. Yeah, no, it's, the reason, it's funny, because what, what I was thinking of is like, let's say you're going to go on a three-painting bender of like cubism, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder if you like work in that dialogue of, thinking about because it's a different way to approach breaking and abstracting the figure yes you know is it but um, i get the sense that it's maybe less for you about executing a way of working and it's more about exploring a different way of working so in that sense it's not like you're going to make a mistake necessarily it's not going to come out the way you want it to it's more of like about the the journey really that's true and, and what I like a lot is that you were just mentioning cubism. What I like in my work, and I think it's, I don't know if it's unique, but I haven't seen it a lot, that I'm making cubist paintings with old master's technique. Right. So it's a 20th century style combined with a 17th century technique, which, yeah. uh, which yeah, I, I, I like to play with things like that. That's like sampling. See, you're doing like funk with classical. Yeah. <laughs> Who says a funk band can't play jazz? Exactly. Actually, the, the what do you call it? Beethoven's Fifth, the disco version. That's a perfect example. <laughs> yes. It works perfectly. Yeah. What's in the <laughs> MF, MFSB? Uh, what's of, that? Of Saturday Night Fever. They are oh, playing, right, right, right. Uh, th- yes. That's a disco version. Yes. Yeah, the disco version. Yeah. Yeah, you can mash those up. <laughs> Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's funny. I, I actually, I think I have a problem where I'm always, especially as a teacher, where like I think, like for some reason when I see paintings or see images, I often attribute music or I'll think about what it sounds like. Mm. So I'm constantly bringing up music as a, which I think is fun to do as yes. a parallel because it's a different world, but it's kind of fun to sort of think about, you know, what that painting sounds like you know what i mean you can compare it but the other way around there's a drummer i forgot his name art blakey maybe or someone else Mm -hmm. but not art blakey and when he hears a drum uh sound he always uh has sees colors oh yeah do you know who that is i feel like i've i'm familiar with that but i don't know who it is so he he says this is a jazz drummer yeah jazz drummer Elvin Jones, I think it's Elvin Jones. Is he a jazz Is it Elvin Jones? I think it's Elvin Jones. Yes, I think that's him. And that's that's almost the same. You hear music when you see a painting. Right. He sees colors when he hears a a drum. drum It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I love Elvin Jones. I saw him right before he passed at the Blue Note. Mm. And the dude was like, he had oxygen. 
Like he was playing drums, really? but he had oxygen tanks, and he was beating the crap out of it. He was amazing. Incredible. What a guy. Yeah, I got to meet him right before he passed, but he one of my favorite drummers of all time for sure. But yeah, that that's that idea. I, I think for some people it's probably a useful comparison where they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool, you know. And other people maybe if they're not as tuned into music, they're just like, What what are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, but I, I I like to think about, you know, the way like imagining how certain paintings sound, you know, that there's this kind of you know, uh, audio version of whatever that is. Um, so, um, so what are you working on? So you have this show up now. Um, where is the show? The one with the, the lights, the collaboration? Yeah, it's, it's, it's in the Hague. It's in the Hague. It's in the Hague where I live. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And then, uh, do you have anything else on the horizon or anything coming up that you're working for? Yes. There's going to be a gallery show, but which is something I like also very much. I'm going to have an exhibition in a group show uh, in a center for outsider artists. Oh, nice. You know, I, I, yeah, and, and they yeah. asked me to, to make a selection of outsiders and then show my own work with their oh, that's work. That's great. Yeah. Where is that going to be? In Rotterdam. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I'm, like, look, I'm looking, looking forward to that. Have you ever been to the Outsider Art Museum in uh, Baltimore? No, no, no. It's if you ever get a chance, it's a really cool museum. Okay. I mean the the work is so like raw and all over the place, but really cool. Yeah. But that sounds like a great uh show. Yeah. It sounds fun. Yeah, it is, it is. And these people, but also their work is always honest. For them yeah. it is it's impossible to lie. And right. a lot a lot of artists co colleagues of us, not the two of us of course, but all the others, they are often fa faking, you know? Yeah. They're, they're faking something to be a serious right. artist or whatever. But, right. but the, the outside artist, they, they cannot lie at all. It's, it's yeah, always, there's no purpose, really, right? No, they're just they, doing it to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's always good and... Yeah. Yeah, it's like honest, there's an honest... Which is funny because for good or for bad... Like, I don't know if I should feel this way, but I always feel like when... Like, I like a lot of art. I'm not one of those people who's just like, yeah, that's crap. I don't like it. Like, because I feel like if people are really doing it and showing it, they're putting that effort in. They're they're interested in it to a certain point. But I do feel like the art that I can't get into is when I feel like the person who's doing it is just running through the motions. Like, they're not really feeling it. It's not coming from somewhere. It's just like, oh, I'm going to make, like, a gray abstraction with a broom right now because that's, like, cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like there's no oomph behind it you know i agree so I, I i just think that's you know i love art that's coming from somewhere you know even, yeah even if it's not an aesthetic that i'm drawn to like i can still be drawn to someone's commitment to what they're doing you know sure and well you've definitely shown some commitment <laughs> <laughs> um and then so people can also find your work on you're on instagram and you have a website? I have a website that also nice project we just finished was um, a documentary about my technique. Mm -hmm. I asked a friend who's a documentary, he makes doc, doc, documentaries, is that what you say? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I asked him to, to come for a few days in my studio and to follow me painting from the beginning, preparing a panel until mm -hmm. the last layer. And y you can see that on YouTube. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. Like, if they just Google your name, they'll find it. Yeah, I will send you the link. Very cool. Well, listen, it was great to meet you and to hear more about your work. I, Like I said, I've been a fan. It's been a few decades now. So uh, yeah. it was a real honor to talk to you, and it was really great to have you on. Thanks so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred, and you can find more about the podcast at soundvisionpodcast.com or you can find more images at Instagram at soundvisionpodcast. You can find out more about me at brianalfred.net or at Alfred Studio on Instagram. Many thanks to Philip for taking the time to talk. Check out his work on his website. 
Many thanks to Fulcrum Coffee Roasters, to New York Studio School, and Golden Artist Colors. I have to say, I just got a big drop of golden paint for the studio for this new body of work I'm working on, and, and it's just, I mean, it's always really good. If you haven't tried Golden Artist Colors, uh, you're missing out, so check it out. And, uh, and Fulcrum with the coffee, just keeping it caffeinated in the studio. Happy New Year to everyone. We've got some great episodes lined up, some cool people to talk to, so make sure you stay tuned. And if you can, leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps spread the word about the podcast to other people. And if you have a chance, check out Why I Make Art, my book on the podcast. It's available all over. I noticed on Amazon there's like a sale on it, so it's just 21 bucks. And uh, in my opinion, money well spent. Some great artists covered in that book and some cool images and great quotes. Thanks so much for your support.